Hey, history enthusiasts, you get not one, but two events in history today. Heads up that you also might hear two different hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. With that said, on with the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's November 18th. Steamboat Willie made its debut on this day in 1928. This is often remembered as the first animated appearance of Mickey Mouse, but that's not quite right. So here's the story. Walt Disney had started an animation company in Hollywood with his brother Roy in 1923, but they hadn't quite gotten it financially successful yet. The company had created two animated series. One was Alice Comedies, and one was Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Oswald was pretty popular, but then in 1928, Disney went to what he thought was going to be a contract negotiation with his distributor, Universal Pictures. But he found out that Universal actually owned all of the rights to the Oswald cartoons, so he needed to come up with a new lead character. That character was, of course, Mickey Mouse. And the first two Mickey Mouse cartoons were finished in the spring of 1928. One was called Plain Crazy. Plain is spelled P-L-A-N-E. The other was The Gallopin' Gaucho. And like his earlier cartoons and a lot of other films at the time, even most other films at the time, these were silent. Synchronized sound was still in its infancy. The first feature film with synchronized sound and dialogue was The Jazz Singer, which had come out just a year before. So Disney thought that this might give him an opportunity to make an animated film with synchronized sound featuring his newly created mouse character. The title of their work in progress was an homage to Buster Keaton's Steamboat Bill Jr., which had come out that year as well. And the film featured Mickey and Minnie Mouse and Peg Leg Pete and a mostly lighthearted set of scenes set aboard a steamboat, a lot of it to the tune of the song Turkey in the Straw. Another misconception about all this is that Disney himself did all the creative work with this, but like very many of the other early Disney cartoons, it was really animated by Ub Iwerks. This process of creating the film was full of trial and error, because like I said, synchronized sound was really new. The whole idea of animating film where the sound was going to match up to what was happening on screen was really complicated and also new, So they started out using a metronome for timing, and they did a lot of tests and then worked days and nights to finish it. Scoring this film was also a huge challenge. The orchestra needed to match what they were playing to what was happening on the screen, and that turned out to be a lot harder than you might expect. They finally added a bouncing ball to the print for the conductor to use as a guide, and that was a massive improvement over their first attempts to play the score. Recording for this film was extremely expensive, and Disney had to sell his car to make payroll just two weeks before the film debuted. They had to borrow money from promoter Harry Reichenbach to get the film screened at all. In the end, though, it all worked out. Steamboat Willie was released at the Colony Theater in New York on November 18, 1928. They wanted it to open on Broadway so that it would be reviewed. And the audience loved it. And so did the reviewers. It got very positive write-ups in publications like Variety and the New York Times. Steamboat Willie spent two weeks exclusively at the Colony Theater before being sent on to other theaters to show there as well. 
Money continued to be tight for Walt and Roy Disney, though, even after this happened. That went on for a really long time. But this was the first of a lot of successes. And of course, it put Disney on the path to creating feature-length animated films and what would grow into a massive media empire. Thanks to Eve's Jeffcoat for her research work on today's episode and to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on the show. You can subscribe to the Stay in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can tune in tomorrow for a prime minister who was not just a first. At this point, she's an only. Hi, I'm Eves, and you're listening to This Day in History class, a show that makes time travel a little bit easier. The day was November 18, 1883. At noon, North American railroads changed to a new time system called Standard Railway Time. U.S. and Canadian Railway adopted five standardized time zones so that everyone would run on railroad time. Before this point, communities had their own local times based on the movement of the sun. But having all these different local times caused a lot of confusion as rail lines became more extensive. Each railroad adopted the time standard of its home city or another important city on its route. Railroad timetables used a bunch of different standards and scheduling was a pain. Local times were a hassle for shippers, train passengers, and ticket sellers. The multitude of time zones also made things difficult for people who used and operated telegraphs and telephones. The need for a new time system was clear. Astronomers and geophysicists have been calling for standardized time for a while. In 1848, England, Scotland, and Wales switched over to Greenwich Mean Time after scientist and mathematician John Herschel had advocated for standardized time for years. People in North America, including a principal named Charles F. Dowd and Sanford Fleming, chief engineer of the Government Railways of Canada, had also been advocating for a switch to a new time standard in the U.S. and Canada. William F. Allen was secretary of the General Time Convention, which the railways formed to coordinate their schedules. He championed the adoption of standard time. In October of 1883, the railroads agreed to adopt five time zones, intercolonial time, eastern time, central time, mountain time, and Pacific time. Intercolonial time is now known as Atlantic time in eastern Canada. The time zones were based on mean sun time on the 75th, 90th, 105th, and 120th meridians west of Greenwich. They were one hour apart because 15 degrees of longitude marks a one hour difference in solar time. The U.S. Attorney General issued an edict that said government departments wouldn't adopt railroad time until they were authorized by Congress to do so. The new standard railway time system launched at noon on November 18th. At that point, train conductors changed their watches from their railroad's times to the new standard times. There was some opposition to the change, as some people felt that daylight was being stolen from them or that the railroads were trying to go against nature with the new system. And some thought that the new time system was some ruse that watchmakers were up to to get business. Some people were vehemently against the change, like the mayor of Bangor, Maine, who claimed that the new time was unconstitutional and said nobody could change the, quote, immutable laws of God. The change also spurred legal issues. 
but cities were largely cooperative in adopting the new standard time, and the press and local officials approved the switch. The new system made coordinating schedules much easier, and people began to organize their daily routines according to standard railway time. This system lasted for 35 years, until Congress intervened and enacted standard time and daylight saving time in 1918. Most of the world had adopted international time zones by the mid-1900s. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Have a hard time staying present as you mindlessly scroll through social media? Lucky for you, we're stuck in the past. At TDIHC Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our email address is thisday at iheartmedia.com. I hope you liked this show. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Mm-hmm.